So if you have your Bibles with you, please open them to John chapter 9 as we continue to worship our awesome God through the preaching of this word. This is not a passive involvement. This is active. So please open your Bibles with us as we read through God's word. Last week, we took a look at how in Christ alone, you can be set free to struggle against sin, how Jesus is the one who sets us free. We're all born into slavery, and Jesus came to free those whom he has chosen. And as we continue to walk through the gospel of John, as we're in John chapter 9, we're going to be in the whole chapter this morning. Have you ever stood on top of a high hill, and you're way up high, and you see all the uh, valleys and other hills around, and you sit there and you see the sun begin to rise above the hill that's in front of you. Maybe it's a shorter hill, but over the horizon you see the sun beginning to rise, and it's been pitch black as you got up there. You, hopefully you used a flashlight to climb up the trail to that hill, but as you sit there in the darkness, you begin to see the light coming up over the hill. You see the effects of that light, as it begins to penetrate the darkness and you can begin to see how everything is exposed and you can begin to see everything. It is a wonderful picture, those sunrises, as we think about how God has created all those things. But did you under, do you ever think that the same source that brought so much light so that you could see all of that beautiful creation below you can also be the same source that blinds you? If you stare at the sun long enough, what happens? You can't see. But even in John 8, verse 12, we see this. As we saw a couple weeks ago, Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And what we see here in chapter 9 is what happens when the light shines. When the light shines, some are made to see just like we will see here with this man that we're introduced to in John 9, verse 1. But we'll also see others who think that they can see turn away in blindness. It's here we see how a blind man is the only one who can actually see. So if you have your Bibles, please follow along with me in John chapter 9. The word of the Lord says this. As he passed by, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me. While it is day, night is coming, when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. And he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he looks like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how are your eyes open? And he answered, The man called Jesus came, made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. 
they brought to the Pharisees a man in verse 13 who was formed, formerly been blind. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and, I wa- and washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked him, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he, know, how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for, they, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had, been born, who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And he said, and he answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become, one of his, become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciples, but we, we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for these, this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could not do nothing. And they answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. And this is the word of the Lord. In verses 1 to 7, sorry, in verses 1 to 7, In verses 1 to 7, we see a man born blind. This is not something that we need to quickly look over. This is an important detail. And in fact, it comes up numerous times that this was a man who was born blind. 
This isn't a man who became blind. This is a man whose eyes never worked. He was blind in every sense of the word. But as the disciples and Jesus were walking by in verse 2, we see this interaction between the two of them, and his disciples come up to Jesus and say, Hey, look, who, was, who sinned, this man in the womb of his mother, or was it his parents that caused this man to be blind? There was this popular idea without, throughout the Bible. If you read the book of Job, you see four friends who continue in this same thought pattern. There's something bad happening to you, therefore it must be sin. It was a popular idea that had come, especially in the first century, that the temporal misfortunes was God's punishment for some sort of specific sin. But we do need to hold this intention. We do understand that throughout the Bible, there's also cases of people who sin and God brings calamity into their lives. I can think of King David, for example, who not only cheated on another man's wife, but then had that man murdered. The outcome of that was that his firstborn son from that affair would die. So we do understand that that is possible. But here, the disciples only give two options, and only two options. Who sinned, God? Who sinned, Jesus? This man in the womb or his parents? Jesus doesn't allow that thought to keep going. He actually gives him a third. The question that the disciples gives, gives a false dilemma. The question says that there are only two possibilities of what this man has gone through his entire life. But Jesus comes along and he gives a third. As he continues on, why was this man born blind in verse 3? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. I think that's something that we need to dwell on a little bit more. Because that really causes me personally, and I hope you too, to think about suffering in a different way. One of the hardest things to understand is that some of our suffering, like we see in Job go through in the book of Job, are simply for God's glory. And what does the Bible say about suffering is something that we often need to think about. See, I think we allow our lives to be purely guided by our feelings and how we feel, which quite frankly is not a good place to be if you're making decisions purely based upon emotion. It is the word of God that I'm reminded of something different. I'm reminded of that third thing. In 1 Peter 1, verses 6 to 7, it says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, he says, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Suffering brings a refinement. But we also see that we have grace and that we learn in in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 to 12, that his grace will sustain us. As we see, but he said to me, Jesus says to Paul, 
My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, the Apostle Paul continues on, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Or we see right here in John chapter 9, that our suffering could be used to show God's power in us. So you may ask, why does this happen to me? Why am I going through these hardships? Why is life so hard? Why did I lose my job? Why did I, I don't know, why, why is my marriage in shambles? Whatever it may be. Have I not been through enough? Have I not suffered through this cancer enough? I don't see the point anymore. And I can see the pain in many of your eyes as you express those things. But this man was born blind. He may have gone through very much the same questions as you. I don't know. But one thing I do know, that this verse tells me, that God's purpose is not always given to me. is not given to you. But I do have a God's assurance that his purpose is good. And Romans 8 tells me of these things. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purposes. This blind man isn't, this, this man's blindness isn't because of sin, but was given so that God's word could be manifested in him. We need to be careful when we start pointing fingers at our suffering. Jesus also doesn't dismiss at the same point, this doctrine of original sin, he's just simply saying that this man was not born blind because of sin, but so that I may be glorified in this. The doctrine of original sin teaches us that all suffering is ultimately the consequence of all of our sin that started with Adam. When Adam sinned, sin went into all of humanity and permeated every aspect of it from not only our state before God, but also our physical being. And as we continue on, he says in verse 4 that this isn't just a miracle, it's a sign. The work of the Father mediated through the sent one to shed light on those who live in darkness. Jesus was working under the shadow of the coming cross, and he continues to prepare his people for this. He is the light of the world and is coming, has come, and will die on the cross, taking our punishment for our sins. In verse 5, it says, as long as I am in this world, I am the light of this world. And what Jesus is talking about is that the light shines its brightest as he was on this earth, as he exposes the world and he judges the world and he saves the world. And even though this man was born blind, it points us to that we are all born in spiritual blindness. Every single last one of us was born spiritually blind. And not just we became blind, we were born blind. See, the most wonderful thing about this and why it's so easy to read over this man who was born blind is this. Jesus had to do a new creation in him. He didn't have to heal. This wasn't a healing. This was a new creation. His eyes never worked. 
And just as much the same with our spiritual state, we're born blind and we need a new heart. We need a heart transplant. It's not like we're in the ER and our heart just stopped and we're like doing resuscitation stuff and and suddenly you're alive again. No, you're dead. Your hearts, you were born with a heart of stone. And Jesus needed to come to give us a heart of flesh that enables us to believe. Jesus is the great light that has dawned, the light of the world, and Jesus is a new and better Elijah. Jesus knows God's purposes and works, and Jesus can do what no one else can. He can take what was dead and make it alive again. If he can create this man and enable him who was born blind to see again, he can take my dead, cold heart and enable me to believe. He is the bread of life. Jesus fed 5,000. And as the light of the world, Jesus gave sight to one blind man born from birth. Jesus revealed that this man's blindness was for the works of God to be displayed in him. And how easily we forget that God is sovereign over everything we are and have. And that he intends to display his power in our lives. And God does not want us to be omnicompetent. He doesn't want us to be self-reliant. He doesn't want us to be self-sufficient. I've been reading through uh, Second Chronicles in my personal devotional time, and something I've been realizing, this is after the kingdoms have divided, so there's Israel and Judah, so Israel's gone now because of their constant rebellion against God. But there's always this once-in-a-while good king that shows up in Judah. And you know what happens? Which is interesting. Right now I'm with Josiah, but I just finished reading Hezekiah and Manasseh, and these were good kings, and what happens is at the beginning of their biography, he says, they reigned for this long, and they did what was right in the eyes of God. And God blesses them as they seek to be faithful to who God is. But you know what happens? They get full of themselves. They become prideful. They begin to think that all of these good things were because of what they did, not what God had done. See, God wants us to need him, and we do need him. We are broken, and our lives are not whole. Only God has the power to make us whole, to put us back together again, to give us eyes to see our need. As we continue on, verses 8 to 34, I find this interaction, this part of the narrative here, uh, as the seeing are blind people. The seeing people are the blind people. I find this very humorous in verses 8 to 34. It probably came through in my reading. But now we see everyone's reaction to this man being able to see. And John brings us through four different interactions with these people. The first time we see is him interacting with his neighbors in verses 8 to 12. His, his neighbors could not believe that this was the man. They couldn't just simply look at him and say, yeah, that's the man. The thing that they could not comprehend was that this man who was born blind could see, see again. So this is a fact mission that begins the man seeks to tell, try and tell them who he is, but they're just not listening. It's me, he says. I am the man. No, nah, no, 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 you're not. Well, then how can you see, he says. The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes. And there's a progression that we will continue to see of how not only are his physical eyes being able to see, but his spiritual eyes are being able to see more of who Jesus is. 
It is Jesus who performed this new creation work to give sight, but it was done on the Sabbath, and this is where things get a little dicey again. And he even says, I don't know who he is, but there's a progression, an amazing story of how we see this healed man moving forward in the path of faith. Here, he does not know where Jesus is, Later, he asserts that Jesus is a prophet. Later, he raises doubts about the accusations that Jesus is a sinner. And finally, after meeting Jesus, he acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God and worships him. And these are steps of faith illustrate what the author of the gospel wants us, his readers, to do as well. The see, and then in verses 13 to 17, we see that the seeing man is beginning to interact with the Pharisees. And one of the bad things about technology right now is, is the live stream working. All right. We see this going on as we see in verses 13 to 17. And the neighbors come and they bring this blind man. They don't believe him. Oh, let's, the Pharisees are going to be the ones that are going to figure this out. So they bring the Pharisees, uh, they bring the man to the Pharisees and they begin to interact and, and kind of grill him. You can feel the heat of the lamps as they're kind of uh, uh, just, just grilling him with all these questions. And then they bring the parents in. And the parents highlights one of the fundamental reasons in John as to why many people don't believe. They fear people more than God. But you have to have some sort of sympathy with these people, right? The synagogue was a community center. It was the center of their world. To be cast out of the synagogue would be to be cast out of everything. Family, friends, the marketplace, everything. So when, when they're afraid, it is a legitimate fear. But nonetheless, it is a fear, that, a fear of man that trumps their fear of God. As they try to ride that line there, to be cast out of a synagogue was to be cast out of the community. And their fear begins to overwhelm. But it's interesting as we continue to look through this, how this fear of being cast out paralyzed this man's parents, but doesn't paralyze him. Because he later gets cast out for saying the very things that the parents refused to say. And as the seeing man interacts with the Pharisees in verses 24 to 34, they say to him in 24, give glory to God. Here's the problem, they got it backwards. The man is giving glory to God and Jesus is not a sinner, but, all, but he, he always does what, God, what pleases his father. The man is giving glory to him. But they are so spiritually blind that they can't see their own need. We are all born blind. We're born in sin. We're enslaved to sin. But Jesus is the light. He is the light of the world. There is a holy God. We've sinned against him. Because of that sin, our rebellion, we deserve hell. That is what we deserve. But Jesus Christ, he steps down from his throne. He asked himself humanity to grow up, to die on the cross, to take the punishment for you and for me. This is Thanksgiving, is it not? 
And this is where my thanksgiving begins. And he, Jesus is the only one who can give us the sight, the eyes to see. And the outcome of this is that they cast out this blind man. The conversation between the healed man and the Pharisees is filled with gospel irony. He who sees for the first time in his life reveals this long-standing blindness of the Pharisees. They only see the law, but the healed man sees the Messiah to whom the law points. In their arrogance and their pride, the Pharisees can only boast about Moses. In his humility, the healed man only boasts about Jesus. The Pharisees charge the healed man with walking in darkness of sin, but he sees the lights of the world, the sun who made the sun, and everything else. And the Pharisees excommunicated him from the life of the temple, but Jesus made him a living stone, as we see in 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 12, in the only true and lasting temple of Christ himself. So think about this. Jesus healed a man born blind. Is anything impossible for him? How dare we doubt that our God is able to save those who are in the outermost to do anything we think is impossible? Our God is a God of miracles. If you're in Christ, he took your dead heart and made you alive again. The Pharisees didn't respond by repenting of their sin. They rejected Jesus, and they show no concern for this blind man at all. None. They don't rejoice with him. They don't celebrate Jesus as the one who can do what has never been done before. They don't consider how other blind and lame people could benefit from Jesus. They show no interest in how Jesus could help others correct their own mistaken thinking and bring to fulfillment what the Old Testament had prophesied for so long. And as Jesus begins to hear about how this man was cast out, he actually goes and he seeks him out in 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? I love this. When Jesus says this, he's actually pointing to a prophecy we see in, in, in Daniel 7. As Daniel prophesies of how the Son of Man will come, But I also love the heart that Jesus has for this man. As Jesus says in verse 36 that he is the Son of Man, the only response to this is to worship him. And Jesus is God. Jesus is to be worshipped. Jesus is to be trusted. He is Lord. He fulfills Daniel's prophecy as the one who will rule over all the nations. We've sung about this even this morning. And this man is the response that all should have in light of who Jesus is. He believes and he worships. He rests in what Jesus has done and he begins to worship him for who he is. And Jesus gives us the meaning of this healing in verse 39. Jesus gave the man physical sight and that new physical sight is a picture of the spiritual transformation that has taken place in him. It's this transformation that he names Jesus in in verse 11. He calls Jesus the prophet in verse 17. And now Jesus comes from God in verse 33 and he worships him right here. The Pharisees had this amazing physical sight that they could see, but they were so blind to who Jesus is. 
Every sign that Jesus does in the Gospel of John is a sign that points to who he is and where he comes from, that he is the sent one from Jesus, from God the Father. And they just do not see it, and they will come up with any other reasons to do that. It shows how blind we can. Have you ever had those interactions with friends or family and you think you've made the best argument in the entire world? We had an argument here today about what color the carpet was. That individual's wrong and they know it, but... (laughs) It's just amazing how blind people can be. No, I'm joking. (laughs) But But we see how blind these Pharisees are. They could not see the obvious signs. They had not experienced the light of the world. And we see how light, Jesus as the light of the world, has two things that happen. Either people flock to him or they run away. Either they're like the centipede that when you turn the lights on in the, in the wet basement, they kind of just scatter. Creepy things. <laughs> the whole life of a, of a Christian is about getting to know Jesus better and better. And Jesus sought out the healed man to confirm his saving faith. You know, this is one of the benefits of even church membership that we talk about in our membership class. It's why we think community groups and discipleship groups are important to have those relationships with people who are in the body of Christ who can say, when I doubt, am I even saved? Someone can come up and walk alongside of me and say, I see God's grace working in your life in this way. And, the disciple, and Jesus does that with this man. And throughout the Gospel of John, there is one big question. Who is Jesus? And John answers it. Jesus is the promised Son of Man who will one day rule over all nations. The gifts of God must lead us to the true and final gift of God, Jesus himself. That's what we see here. Jesus' gift gifts this man with sight. And the outcome was that this man worshipped him. The opponents of Jesus are concerned only with themselves and their own agenda, their own authority, their own control. And as a result, the judgment Jesus brought into this world stands against them. He came into the world as light, and they loved darkness because of their evil works. So what do we do with all of this? What do we see here? We see that Jesus is the light of the world that makes the blind see. As we see this man being healed, Jesus fights the idea that there's always a correlation between what is happening to us physically and our character. I must do a disclaimer. Yes, some of your sins cause physical outcomes. Selfishness and pride cause relationships to strain. I could go to the extreme of if you're going to be having sex outside of marriage, one of the outcomes of those or a couple of the outcomes could be pregnancies or STDs or something. But here Jesus is talking about that that's not always the case. We live in a fallen world where even good people have lives of loss and pain. And we, church, us, Nolwood, are not blind to our world's brokenness. 
We don't come into these four walls ignoring all of the pain and the brokenness that's in our great city of London. We see it, but we also aren't fatalistic about our future. If you are in Christ, you have been graciously brought into his redeeming purposes for our world. When I think about the gospel and what Jesus has done for me on the cross, my eyes are no longer fixated on what is happening around me, but are brought up. My gaze is brought up. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? Who is to blame? In Christ, we can start asking, where is God in this situation? What is he up to? To say, I don't know what's going on, but God, I know that you are good. I believe, help my unbelief. It's a Christian mantra, isn't it? I love Mark 9, 24. If I were to get a tattoo, I'm not saying I am, I would get that. Plastered where I could see it every day. I, I believe, help my unbelief. My, most Christians can identify with this man from time to time. It is the acknowledgement of our inadequacy that allows God to work in our lives. This is, the tr- this is true at the point of salvation. Salvation comes to inadequate sinners who realize their need and ask for forgiveness. It is impossible for righteous people to be saved outside of Jesus Christ. In the same way, Christians know that the, what the Bible says, that we do trust God to take care of and to direct our lives. In our time of family worship, we're reminded about that in Matthew 5, about how God cares for the birds and the lilies and the grass. How much more does he care for you? We don't seem to have enough faith to follow him in that moment, so we ask for more faith. We acknowledge that even our faith comes from God. It is his work in our lives that enables us to believe and to obey. I believe, help my unbelief. When times are hard, when suffering is hard, when the trials are hard, and you're like, God, I don't know. I believe, help my unbelief. It's a statement of faith for us that what we must do as we face suffering, trials, and confusion, anxiety, depression, whatever it may be, we can sing. There's this great song called God of Miracles, which says this, let faith arise in spite of what I see. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I choose to trust you no matter what I feel. Let faith arise, let faith arrive, for my champion's not dead, he's alive. Oh, and he already knows my every need. Surely he will come and rescue me. But also we see this man who's born blind. A blind man who is the only one who isn't blind. And what is amazing is that we see this healed man moving forward in a path of faith. Here he does not know where, who Jesus, where Jesus is, but he later says he's a prophet. Later still he, he, he raises doubts about the Pharisees' accusations that Jesus is a sinner. And finally, after meeting him again, he acknowledges him to be Jesus, the Son of God, and worships him. An amazing faith that is shown here. Because the author, John, wants the readers to know something. That everything that he writes, as John 20, 31 says, is written that we may believe so that we may have life in his name. Another thing that just as this man was born blind, we're all spiritually born blind. Jesus is the light of the world. 
And as the light shines, some are made to see. He alone creates something new. We don't need to be healed. We need a new heart that enables us to believe, and Jesus is the only one who can do that. Someone said to me once a long time ago, oh, Christianity is just a crutch. And I wish I had the gall to say something a little bit stronger back. Something along the lines of, what are you talking about? It's not a crutch. I'm like in the trauma center with my heart cracked open, like I'm dead. It's not a crutch. I need something a little bit more stronger than that. But we also see here that others turn away blind. Blinded by the same sun, the same light that brings others to life. As we see the Pharisees and even his parents, I'm reminded of what one pastor said, the Prince of Preachers, C.H. Spurgeon. He said this, The same sun which melts wax hardens clay. And the same gospel that melts some persons to repentance hardens others in their sin. Jesus is the light of the world that makes the blind see. And we're his torchbearers. And we get to go out into this world proclaiming Jesus Christ in this dark, dark world, the light of the world. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. I pray that we would continue to rest in you, that you alone are the ones that can give us the hearts to, that enables us to believe. And Lord, I pray that as we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in our own lives, that we would be ones that bear the light to our dark world, that we'd go into our neighborhoods and the playgrounds and our schools and to our family dinners with people who don't know you, that we would bear witness of the lights of the world. May you be glorified as we continue to worship you. Amen.